The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Cancelled Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for The Rap and IGN, and everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a film critic for IGN and for CriticallyAcclaimed.net. Yes. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Mm. Uh, I, I write words, and I hope you read them. That would be neat. Mm. That's how we make our living. I'm a writer. I write. I don't process words. Uh, this <laughs> that, week that's an obscure one. This week on mm. canceled, it's what is that Long and Death on Long Island? Love and Death on Long Island. That is Love and Death on Long Island. Nicely Good done. catch. All right, uh, we digress. <laughs> Immediate out of the gate, we digress. Uh, this week on Cancel Too Soon, uh, it's the marvelous month of Marvels plus one. A marvelous month of Marvels addendum. Yeah. So uh, throughout the entire month of November, we reviewed nothing but television series based on Marvel comic books. And there was one series that we tried to get to in time and then just things got in the well, way. Well, it's not that things got in the way. Well, it's that we bit off more than we could chew. Mm. Uh, we, we put out uh, a pilot that we were going to do and, uh, uh, pilots require a little less consumption. We can watch a pilot in just an hour and a half, and we don't have to sit through 13 episodes of anything. And so we had a poll of pilots, and the t- we decided rather than to just do one, but we did the top three because there was a three-way tie. Yeah. And because there were pilots, um, it'd be easy, right? Um, well, 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 as it turns out, that's just a lot, uh, a pretty heavy workload. So uh, we, yeah. you just essentially got two bonus episodes this month, and uh, as a result, we're... Uh, Extending the marvelous month of Marvels into the first week of December, and very specifically to make room mm. for this show, which uh, you wanted to do, you pushed for this. One. I pushed for this. I remember this being on. I remember thinking it was neat, but I only mm. saw a couple of episodes. We were able to track down all of it, and it ended up being something pretty mm. special. So we're going to talk about Silver Surfer, Mister Surfer. Have you ever considered propane as an alternative energy source for that board of yours? With a little retooling, I could get it to work. Tell you what I'm going to do. Being that you're my neighbor and I like you, I'm going to give you the new neighbor discount and a free t-shirt. So what do you say? Take a ride on the Cosmic Tide on an all-new Silver Surfer next as Fox Kids Heads for the Hills continues. Just think, with repeat business like that, I could eventually be supplying propane galaxy-wide. Now, I know what you're thinking. (laughs) What the hell did I just listen to? Silver Surfer wasn't on King of the Hill. No. He was not a character on King of the Hill. He was a, a lost soul trying to plumb the depths of morality and how it folds into the very nature of the cosmos. Yep. And he didn't ever, and he never bought propane 
And he not, never, not that and, I'm and, aware of. And he never wore a shirt. So Silver Surfer was an animated series that was on Fox mm. for, uh, I don't know right now. In 1998. Yeah, from February 7th through May 16th, 1980, uh, 1998. Sorry. Mm. Um, and he was based on a Marvel comic character. We'll tell you a lot about the details of that. But for whatever reason, the, the only promo of note we were able to drag up online <laughs> was from an episode like they used to have on Saturday mornings like characters or actors from other shows mm. host Saturday morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just like and just like the interstitials would just be bits with, you know, Beetlejuice yeah. or whatever. And in this and they, case it was would, King of the Hill. They wouldn't ever animate like just sort of repurpose existing animation, but they get the voice actors back to sort of dub new dialogue. So that's actually Mike Judge doing the voice. Definitely. Of yeah. Hank Hill. Do you remember when Batman hosted a Saturday morning? No, and he sang the Jigglypuff song from Pokemon. That what? Was, was pretty special. Like Robin was it, asked, was it Kevin Conroy? It was Kevin Conroy, and and Robin asked him to sing him a lullaby. He's like, no, I'm not going to do that again. Please, please, you said you'd do it. Okay, fine. And he sings the Jigglypuff. That's Pokemon weird. song. That's yeah. really that, that's weird. out there in the world somewhere. I'm sure somebody is shaking their head in agreement with me right now. That's that's absolutely astounding. But yeah, that was the thing. And when Silver Surfer was on. It, it was it, yeah. You could tell that it's like, hey, this is going to be great. We're going to have Hank Hill, wa- you know, host these shows. Maybe we'll get some kids to watch King of the Hill in the evening. Or mm-hmm. We'll just have this big cross promotion. It's a fantastic idea. Yep. But we have Silver Surfer now. Silver Surfer is an is an animated kids sci fi fantasy series mm-hmm. about a protagonist racked with guilt for his part in multiple genocides. Yeah. Yeah. And then he bought it's, propane. It's 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 he, it's hefty stuff, and so it's heavy. but it's not heavy in that angsty '90s sort of way. This is straight out of the '60s, mm. uh, well, or maybe the '70s, because there's a lot of acid going on. <laughs> um, it's worth remembering that a lot of Marvel Comics writers in the 1970s were taking a lot of drugs, and. Yeah. Uh, as such, there is a whole stripe of Marvel comics, which they've only brushed up against in the movies, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 specifically, that is really deep and really trippy and really philosophical. Hmm. And uh, they, they call that sort of the cosmic corner of, of the universe. Thor is on the periphery of that world. But the Silver Surfer is kind of right in the middle of it. Silver Surfer is one mm. of the weirder creations mm. in the Marvel Universe in a variety of levels. But for a second, let's just focus on the name. Because if you don't know anything <laughs> about Marvel it's Comics... It's kind of a weird name if you're yeah coming from the outside. I, I, it's like I, Green Lantern. I was about to bring yeah. that up. Green Lantern is a character you've scoffed at many times because mm. you've never really read any good Green Lantern stories. You just know that Green Lantern is kind of a silly name for a superhero. And it mm. is in a vacuum, funnily enough. Green Lantern spends a lot of time in the vacuum. He's an outer space superhero. But uh, much like Green Lantern, Silver Surfer is an odd idea for a character visually. Mm. Um, But, and and honestly, like kind of hard to explain in some regards. But once you watch or read a good interpretation of that character, it feels so natural Mm -hmm. and so odd. So here's the, here's the gist of the Silver Surfer. maybe, Maybe not natural, but it feels fittingly poetic. Well, that's kind of what I'm getting at. I feel like with this particular branch of the Marvel cosmic universe, Mm. not the snappy, quippy guardians of the galaxy version, which I like as well. Mm. I got nothing against that, but I feel like, like that's almost feels defunct after seeing Silver Surfer. Well, it feels it feels juvenile. Yeah, is what it feels. And Silver Surfer has a classical quality. It feels like it is some sort of modern update 
of very particular, almost Greek myths. Yeah. And yet it isn't based on anything. It is a new story and a new idea. It has elements that existed Mm -hmm. before. How could it not? But it is so new and yet so thoughtful and smart about what it is that it feels ancient. So the story of the Silver Surfer is there is an omnipotent, godlike being flying throughout the universe. His name is Galactus. Galactus feeds and sustains himself by eating planets. It's this huge cosmic thing. He he eats life, and he sort of like sucks it into his ship, and it's really unclear if he is organic or if he's part machine or if he's just made of energy, but... Mm. There's this weird and and it works for this these gigantic spacefaring beings that they're these weird sort of technologically techno techno gods essentially. And what's interesting about Galactus mm. is he's not destroying planets because he wants to mm. or because it's cool or because he's evil. He's doing it because he needs to eat. And it kind of puts this whole sort of Darwinian aspect of mm. nature on a grand cosmic scale. So yeah. like you're not going to begrudge like a coyote. For, for eating, eating a lizard a, or for something, eating a li- yeah. you, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. Like, why would you? That's that's nature. It sucks for the thing being eaten, but what are you going to mm-hmm. do? But then when you think about it, it's like, what if there was a being that could only sustain itself by eating an entire planet of sentient beings a lot of the time? Mm-hmm. We, do we do we still find that immoral, and or, or or do we still find that moral? And Silver Surfer dares to raise those questions, and that's really heady stuff for a superhero mm-hmm. story. So the story begins on a planet called Zenla. Zenla, which is full of uh, aliens who look who look human. They look human, and they are the intellects of the universe. They yeah. are, or rather, or rather, they're the philosophers of the universe, mm. and they have devoted their lives. They're like the Federation. They've devoted their lives to uh, diplomacy and egalitarian philosophies, pragmatism, mm. and peace. And indeed, one of the recurring subplots uh, throughout the series is there has been an ongoing intergalactic war between two races who will be mm. familiar to. Fans of Marvel Comics, the Kree mm. and the Skrulls. The Skrulls the, are shapeshifters. The Kree the, are humanoid. The Kree were skinned. Yeah, the Kree were in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Yes, and the, the bad Skr- guy was a Kree, and the Skrulls are going to show up in uh, Captain, Captain Marvel. Marvel. Yeah, so yeah. you're, you're going to see them. Absolutely. Uh, so Zen Law is a place where both of those people have come to sort of try to broker a truce, mm. and then right in the middle of that, Galactus shows up and he's going to eat the whole dang planet and and. He- People appeal, try to appeal to Galactus, and he doesn't care. It's like it's like I'm going to exterminate the cockroaches in my house. Yeah, one cockroach is going to appeal. Great, I'm still going to exterminate you guys. Yeah. I don't care. You're roaches. Uh, when finally mm. Norrin Rad, our hero, mm. comes up with a plan no one's thought of before, and his plan is this: spare my planet, mm. and I will become. Your servant, your herald, and I will find you other planets to eat instead. And his mm. plan, Norinrad, mm. is to only lead Galactus to unpopulated worlds. Yeah, and then but it's, it's like the world's ultimate... still bursting with life. So, like, it's not like in Star Trek where they don't want to wipe out things with like evolutionary potential. They just yeah. people as long as there's no sentient don't life. have any sentient life yet is fine. Yeah, if there's some lizards running around, we're mm. gonna we're just gonna take that as a you know mm. that that's still a win. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, so he sees this as this ultimate noble sacrifice that he's making, mm. saying goodbye to his beloved Shalabal, and uh, 
yeah. will be that. You, you, you can tell this is the 70s or 60s or 70s because those are some goofy names. Some goofy names. Nor, Norin Rad, I'll, I'll take. Norin Rad's not the worst. Z- Zen La is a little, <laughs> doesn't really roll trippingly off the tongue. And Shalabal is and pretty, Shalabal pretty great. Is. Uh, what was the name of Doctor Strange's paramour? She she uh, had kind of a weird name too. The one in the purple outfit. Yeah 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 yeah. Oh, uh, was, I totally someone, forgot. Someone's that yelling it at us yeah. right now. Doctor Strange. She also had a strange name, if I recall. Um, like, Clea. Clea. It's not that weird. I guess not. Clea Duvall's named Clea. Yeah. All right. Get, get Clea Duvall the player, and we're fine. Well, my, my oldest comic book was a Doctor Strange comic book. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it was from 1975. I had a 1975 Doctor Strange comic. So Galactus takes the Silver Surfer up on this offer. Mm. But unbeknownst to Norrin Rad, Galactus, when he gives the Silver Surfer the power of the Silver Surfer. Mm. Uh, you know, T- turns his body into this silver shining like foil coated body. Yeah, so we can no, so he can no, withstand the, the no no clothes, no genitals. Yeah, so he can withstand mm. space, mm-hmm. and he gives him a surfboard, which allows him to fly throughout space fast enough that it makes space like, like a thing. Many, many many thousands of times the speed of light. Like yeah. he can just zip across the universe. It's it's really really cool. But he also erases his memory so he doesn't remember not being Galactus's herald. So he <laughs> ends up leading Galactus to a whole bunch of populated planets. Mm. And in the original Marvel comics, what happened was when he when Silver Surfer came to Earth and the Fantastic Four were trying to stop Galactus, however they could, Silver Surfer ended up warning them. Well, he well he warned them, and it was kind of part, part of the point of Harold Galactus, mm. like, "Hey, Galactus is coming. If you can leave, do it. If not, sorry." Yeah. Like, it's <laughs> basically all he can do. Um, and a human, Alicia Masters, who was uh, the Thing's girlfriend, ended up kind of reaching him. Making him remember his lost, not humanity, I guess, Zen Laddity. <laughs> um, and he decides to rebel against Galactus, fight Galactus, save the planet Earth. And, but now what? Now he's, all he's got is, he, his homeworld is out there somewhere. Galactus has oh. prevented him from knowing where that is. Mm. And he's racked with guilt for being responsible for the deaths of countless sentient lives. Mm-hmm. Not to mention non-sentient lives, but yeah. he's he's the round the entire universe. The Silver Surfer is seen as one of the great monsters. And How do you even begin to think about redeeming yourself? So, and, and that's and, the story. And, and the the irony is that Norrin Rad is a a completely scrupulous uh, moral person. Yeah, he he is full of he's full of guilt because he is the opposite of that. Yeah, yeah, he, he takes he, it he would he would take no part in that, and that and being a moral person is actually very important to him. And that's something that's really really amazing. Mm. I think about Silver Surfer as a creation. His powers are cool. He mm. looks neat. I don't give a crap. Here's here's what it boils down to. He is a superhero who has done the most wrong things imaginable, mm. and he knows it. And it hurts him, mm. and he feels it, and he is desperate to do whatever he can to make amends. There are episodes of this, and I remember in the comics where people like would just be like, well, "We need to punish you for everything you've done," and he's like, "Yeah, I deserve it. 
Yeah, yeah. Like, fine. And like, the, he's just we, happy to go through. I mean, not happy to. He doesn't want to. But, like, mm. he he is content to because that's the right thing to do. And I've I've seen a lot of stories that deal with this sort of thing. I mean, heck, Tequila and Bonetti deals with this, where it's just... <laughs> Got to make uh, up for the a, shooting a, a, you were Yeah, a cop, of. you know, accidentally shoots somebody, and now they have, they're racked with the guilt of, like, that one murder they're responsible for. The difference is that's an accident. Uh, well, and uh, accident or on purpose. You know, there's, yeah. there's... I've seen this story before. That what Silver Surfer excels at is in writing it on the largest possible scale. Yeah. You, you didn't just, you know, accidentally shoot one person. You are you actively sought the deaths of countless trillions. Let's think about this in Christian terms for a second. Mm-hmm. Well, because well, Silver Surfer is a Christ figure. Oh, he's very much a Christ yeah. figure. But I think if you just want to think about like what's the mythology of Silver Surfer, mm-hmm. imagine if God, Old Testament God, mm-hmm. after the flood, felt terrible about it <laughs> and he's, or, he's all had, powerful had to hire somebody to do the flood well it's just he's he's all powerful mm. and now he's just wandering the cosmos in a state of perpetual self-reflection and guilt mm. and that is the subject of a saturday morning cartoon <laughs> well and it was the subject for you know comics for kids for the longest time and all mm. of these cosmic comics were people constantly self-reflecting and i think that's we think of the infinity stones stones as they've been renamed with the mm-hmm. infinity gems at the time as just these sort of widgets that give you power you can mm-hmm. do neat stuff if you have them you can control time you can you know lift planets this is where they were originally called the soul gems and they mm-hmm. possessed sort of the very moral living core of the universe and i think that they've been reduced to power widgets kind of cheapens them. And we do see the soul gem. It's not called the, called the soul gem in this because it's on Adam Warlock's head. Yeah, I don't know if they uh, were going to get the, to that. The, it's just sort of a laser beam gem in, in the cartoon. But yeah, the, that we're sort of dealing with this realm where the soul and the cosmos are going to overlap is kind of a heady, really rich, like philosophically rich place to exist. And it was stuff. It was stuffed into comics for kids. I know. Like, and it was. And now it's like thirty years down the line. It's in a Saturday morning cartoon. It's what's like, weird is that Marvel <laughs> was known for taking these really grand characters and making them really human. The Fantastic mm. Four, Spider Man, the X Men. These were all super powered characters who, in any other comic at the time, would have been a relatively straightforward power fantasy. And they were like, okay, well, what would it be like to be human? Here, it's what would it be like to be god mm-hmm. power to take life power to give life mm-hmm. and what would it be like to suddenly have a human morality you can look <laughs> at it that's almost like a precursor to the good place oh there <laughs> you go it. like just like we're gonna answer some really hu- we're gonna ask some really huge questions and what's cool about it is because it is right on the largest possible scale mm-hmm. every storyline is epic in the extreme and not just because huge battles but because we're going to deal with the nature of existence in the universe as a planet would see it he literally talks to space and time yeah and they get away with it which is really impressive Thanos has conversations with Chaos. In now, the comics, it was death. In the comics, it was. It's a little morbid I, for I under, kids. I understood that chaos. that they. It was actually a censorship issue. They yeah. couldn't have him having conversations with death, so they had him. They changed the character to chaos. Yeah, it's a bit much. I understand yeah. that. Um, so uh, let's talk a bit, a little bit about uh, the show. So the show was produced. Uh, it was the characters created by uh, Jack St- Kirby. Stanley and Jack Kirby. Yeah, yeah, mostly Jack Kirby is my understanding, but. 
Um, the show was produced by Larry Brody. Now, we've run into Larry Brody before, and we're going to run into Larry Brody again. Because <laughs> he, Larry Brody also did Spider-Man Unlimited. Mm. He did a show I've never heard of before called Zyber 9 New Dawn. Zyber with, a, with an X. Zyber 9. Uh, he did... Zeriously sure, forks. I, he, did a, he did a cartoon series about the Diabolic. The, like the Italian comic yeah. Diabolic? Wow, okay. Yeah. He did the uh, the the show Partners in Crime. Okay. Uh, starring um, Wonder Woman. Linda Carter. Linda Carter, yeah. yeah. Uh, he did Auto Man. Oh, nice. He did Bill Bixby we, we and the Magician. We almost did Auto Man once. We're going to get to yeah. Auto Man. He, we did, he did Bill Bixby and the Magician and... He did David Cassidy Man Undercover. Did he really? He created David Cassidy wow. Man Undercover. Wow, this one, this show is so much better than that one. David Cassidy Man Undercover. We reviewed it, I think, last year. Oh, yeah. Um, it is a show in which David Cassidy from the Partridge Family goes undercover in every single episode. So he's essentially played by the guest star. But it has a great theme song. Let's listen to it. That's not, yeah. that's not Silver Surfer. It's such a great theme song. <laughs> uh, Silver Surfer, the animated series, is really novel in that, unlike a lot of cartoon series of the time, it was really eager to evoke the original art style. And I think yeah. they were wise to do it because the Jack Kirby and later John Buscema art style for Silver Surfer was very specific, yeah. very Re- unusual. Really kind of spare and detailed at the same time. Like the characters were really broadly designed. They had like really thick lines and really kind of uh, recognizable outlines and Mm -hmm. gigantic features, really bizarre aliens everywhere. And the cosmos ship looks like, you know, like people try to make spaceships look kind of streamlined, you know, like ships. Mm. Kirby cared not for that. They they, (laughs) They look weird. They look like inverted scarecrows and upside down (laughs) teardrops. And yeah, who knows? I love it when sci-fi boggles my mind. Yeah. I I want it to look weird. Especially in in animation. Why do something conventional at all? If you have, especially when you're dealing with a character like the Silver Surfer, Mm -hmm. you need to be that big. You need to be that odd because it's an odd concept well remember, everything uh, needs to be big and extreme you may remember when they did uh star mm. trek the animated series mm. which was canonical and with the original show and actually a lot of those episodes are really great no but, yeah oh i mean it's the same writers it was the same cast yes yeah. it, it was the same show essentially yeah it was but it, and it was really really cool but they had the the ability to do whatever they wanted now mm. and they took advantage of it. There's a cat lady on the bridge now. Yeah. That would have been way too expensive to do in the 1960s. Like here, now we have Imraz. Here, Where is Imraz? You'd think they would have put her in the new <laughs> Kelvin-verse. I loved Imraz. I thought Imraz... I actually was experienced mm. the animated series before I watched the original series. Oh, nice. Okay. I thought Imraz was supposed to be a real character. I thought she was going to be around. Like, where the fuck is Imraz? Is Uhura Imraz? 
<laughs> she, she sh- it's shedding season. She's in molting season right yeah. now. Uh, yeah, the, the Star Trek animated series is like, here's a, a ship that's literally three billion years old. Yeah. And, and it looks like a bunch of jellyfish strung together. In this it's episode, just, there's a 20 foot Spock. Because they can do that now. Why not? Screw it. It's a dumb episode, but they let's go to a let's go to a planet where all the aliens are plants and the trees walk around. Because we can do that now. They have undersea episodes. They couldn't do that stuff in the sixties. And in addition to recreating this very sharp, sometimes very flat, hmm. uh, Jack Kirby style of animation, they actually jazzed it up with CGI. And sometimes they don't quite get away with it. I think Galactus sometimes looks a little fake. Well, but Gal- Galactus is, was a character that they did in CGI, and I think it was a good move because it sort of conveyed his enormity. Yeah, it made him separate from yeah. everything else. I think there are shots where he looks like crap. Well, I think it, I think it, mostly they get away with it because, again, you're recreating... Mm. You're not trying to create something realistic. You're yeah. just trying to turn Jack Kirby's art style into 3D. That's relatively easier, and I think the show mostly gets away with it. Mostly. Um, but what well, I love I, about the show is they yeah. have that sense of enormous scale mm. in every... Every episode feels... Huge. You really get the sense of like how far they're going and where they're going while they fly while they fly through space. And I I, I blame Star Wars for kind of curtailing that in a lot of sci-fi. Mm. In in like Star Trek really actually bothered to acknowledge the the vastness of space. It would take them a while like, to get places. Yeah, like even their fictional warp drive couldn't get them even like a quarter of the way across the galaxy without, you know, decades elapsing. That's how big yeah. space is. They knew. And there were still plenty of planets in there to explore. Yeah. Yeah. So meanwhile, in Star Wars, it's like, OK, I'm going to go find Yoda. OK, I'm on Dagobah. Wait, is like, is it in the same system you're in? Like, what star is it revolving you around? You have enough gas? Like, yeah, th- this is this? a tiny little battlecraft. Can it go warp speed? Well, that doesn't make any sense. This is why, and I, I find mm. the distinction a little insufferable sometimes, mm. but I know I've done it myself. Um, Star Wars is often considered not so much sci-fi, but sci-fantasy. Right. When that it has all the trappings of technology, but they don't actually care. The technology, it yeah, it doesn't. Some people, some people have reverse engineered it so that some of it makes sense. That no, but no. no. It, look, in Star Trek, they thought about it ahead of time. Star Wars, you're covering for yourself. No, listen, it's <laughs> the fine. Star Wars technical manuals are BS. I like, I like Star Wars fine. Right. Again, I'm not gonna. I'm not here to. I am not here to damn Star Wars. I'm here to praise Silver Server. Um, <laughs> well, I, I bring it up because a lot of the people who worked on Star Trek turns out also worked on Silver Surfer. Yeah, at least some of the people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, DC Fontana, Dorothy Fontana, was the. I think her role was story editor mm. on Star Trek. She wrote like ten episodes. She wrote a couple of Next Generation episodes and. Uh, she ended up having a big falling out with Roddenberry. But, um, yeah, DC Fontana wrote an episode of Silver Surfer, and it has that same kind of old-fashioned philosophical sci-fi gravitas that you would find in the old Star Trek series. And, indeed, Harlan Ellison, who mm. also wrote some of the best Star Trek yeah, episodes Yeah, he wrote City ever, on the Edge of Forever. Uh, he contributed a story for the mm. Silver Surfer animated series as well, and it's another mm. really great idea for an episode, and it's, an, it's an, also an idea for an episode that I think Doctor Who ripped off later. Well, it, they ended up doing it in uh, one of the Infinity War comics. Oh, did they? Yeah. Because, like, there's an episode of... We'll, we'll get to it in a minute, but there's mm. an episode of Doctor Who that has a suspiciously similar premise. Oh, okay. Um, I, it might just be great minds thinking alike, but it's kind of on the nose. Mm. So we will talk about that in a bit. Let's talk about the episodes. 
Uh, so the pilot episode is just so, Norinrad's origin story. We already discussed well, it in some detail. It, it, it plunges us in just headfirst. Mm-hmm. There is not going to be a human character. There's not going to be anything. Oh, eventually, where, there's eventually and, and that's actually the part I don't, the one thing I don't like about this show is when they go to Earth. <laughs> but yeah, they don't start us on Earth. It's not starting us in the real world. We are out in the cosmos and we're already dealing with big ideas. Mm-hmm. And I think that was wise. I think so too. It's, it's a little too wild a concept to bring you in from the real world. No, no. You, you gotta, just got to start in the fantasy world and just hope people we are have on board. A, We have a narrator, Uatu, mm. the Watcher, mm. who in Marvel Comics is a character who is this godlike being from space, but he has vowed only to watch Mm. Things transpire, but he refuses never to interfere. never interfere, except for all the times he has. Um, the idea is that Uatu watches everything, even great tragedies, and does nothing, merely catalogs. Mm. Um, but when Galactus came to Earth, then he was like, oh, this ain't happening. So, <laughs> like when Uatu is forced mm. to intervene, only then is mm. like shit really hitting the fan. So Uatu narrates this. He has the full scope of the universe inside his head. He can give mm. you all the context you need. And at the end of the episode, Norinrad becomes the Herald of Galactus. And loses his memory and goes off. Mm. Beginning of episode two, uh, he has been killing planets left and right, and Galactus has never been so well fed. (laughs) And then one of his adventures leads him to a planet which should be great for Galactus. Problem is, it's Ego the Living Planet. (laughs) Which we saw in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Yeah, a bit more evil in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 than Uh, They they changed the character. But But, yeah, uh, yeah, Ego the Living Planet is an entire planet with one consciousness and a face on the continents, which is very cute. Um, Silver Surfer and Thanos Mm -hmm. both end up on the planet... Uh, Thanos actually screws with Silver Surfer's mind. And- yeah, he's able to go into like this weird dream state where his subconscious is manifested physically. Yeah. And he breaks the widget that like is blocking his memory. Yeah, it's really messed up. And Thanos is doing this because he worships Lady Chaos, mm-hmm. who is a statue. On, his, on the bridge of his death ship. And he's furious that it refuses to talk to him. And I love how pathetic... Thanos is in this this version of Thanos. He's a religious zealot it's, in it's, this one. Yeah, and I think that's that's a good move. And I it's, it's a scary, it's more it's more accurate it to the comics. It's scarier. Yeah. Uh, um, in in the movie they turned him into just a soldier, and I think that's a lot less interesting. I think they tried to make him in the movies mm. into a being of brutal logic. Okay, mm. the the, the universe a, is yeah, the universe is overpopulated. I will solve that problem by killing half the mm. universe. It's Cruel, mm. but I'm being cruel to be kind. But, he, but he's, once he he's, started, a, he's like a military general, though. The problem know. is like he's his he's create he's killing more people than have ever been killed mm. in history, and the idea of ascribing logic to that implies that he could be reasoned with. And that doesn't make any sense because if he can be reasoned with, he would never do that because it makes no sense to do that. You want to assemble the infinity gauntlet, the most powerful thing in the universe that could do literally anything you want. And what you want is to save the world from over, save the universe Mm. from overpopulation. You can do literally anything. Mm. So you kill half the universe. No, (laughs) make the universe bigger. That's insanity. Yeah. Make you, you can kill, you can, you can do that. You can feed people. You can do anything you want. You can make all life in the universe completely self-sustaining and not have to need anything for nourishment. Mm. You can do that when you snap your fingers. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, it's, it's, he's lying to himself. If you ask me And here in the comics and in this show, 
He's a he's a monster and he's a religious zealot who mm. worships in the comics death and in the show chaos, which is a little less focused, but whatever I get. It. He's equally monstrous. He just wants yeah. to to destroy things to to appease the god that doesn't speak to him. Mm-hmm. Now in in the comics, death is actually a character. Like yes. she she walks around and she like sometimes she's a skeleton, sometimes she has flesh. Uh, and she she also doesn't speak. Yeah, she has But she she's in the room with Thanos. She's mm-hmm. real. Yeah. And Thanos is constantly trying to appease her and she just doesn't ever react to anything he does because mm-hmm. she's just death. She doesn't care. Yeah. And I'm I'm not sure which is more damning if he does it to a living being that's ignoring him or a statue that he thinks is alive. Either way it's really yeah. unsettling. Um uh, I either but yeah, he he wants to cause chaos, he wants to cause destruction. He finds this thing that is disturbingly full of goodness. Yeah. Something that he hates because of it kind of mirrors him in a bad way. So at the mm. end of this episode, we've established a few things. We've we've met Thanos, who will be very important. We met Ego the Living Planet, who will be important later. Mm. Um, but we've he'll, also he'll show up in a later episode. But we've anyway, also, but and yeah. I like this, we spent one whole episode of Silver Surfer as Thanos's herald. Because mm. it was an important part of his life. And it's kind of hazy as to how long it took. Mm. Um so we got to see him as the Silver Surfer, Herald of Galactus. And then the next episode is after Thanos put like a little crack mm. in his memory uh, is when Silver Surfer snaps out of it. It's when he finds the planet Earth and he's actually a little surprised that the people of Earth aren't evacuating and he doesn't really realize that they're like a primitive species compared <laughs> to a lot of the planets on Earth. Mm. And then he meets, just rescues while he's like flying around, a young woman named Frankie. Mm. And she, uh, a, a really hip 1990s neon wearing skater hipster chick. Yeah. She's, she's, she's who in the movie is played by Tracy Lords. You know, she's she's a little pandering. <laughs> she's a little pandering. But regardless, she, she, she's, she's the Elisa Masters character. She like snaps him out of it. And what, what happens to her is fine. But that episode, it's is so odd. I it's don't want to I don't I don't want to see him on Earth. Well, Earth, Earth we, is small potatoes. I like here's what I like. Huh. I like that we established early on that Earth exists and is unimportant. Yeah, I like that this Mostly is actually harmless. happening out there. <laughs> I like something. I like that this is our reality, mm. but in the far reaches of space, way more interesting stuff is happening. Mm. So we're not going back to Earth. Screw Earth. Yeah, Earth yeah. sucks. <laughs> Well, like, like Backwater it, burg of the universe. Like I just said mostly harmless. So Silver Surfer mm. ends up fighting Galactus. Mm. Like head on, even though all of his powers came from Galactus, so he knows he's not as powerful, mm. uh, in order to save the planet Earth. And Galactus is actually almost a little moved that Silver Surfer would care. Yeah. And so he decides to let Silver Surfer free of his promise mm. with a butt. <laughs> he's like, I- I'll, you understand who you are. You remember who you are. Yeah. I'll leave Earth alone for now. Yeah. There's there's other things out there. There's that one over there looks good. I'll eat that one. I'm gonna leave you with and your with your cosmic powers. You have your cosmic powers. You can go back to Zen Law whenever you like. If you if can you can find, find it, it. <laughs> because he moved Zen Law yeah, to a it. random spot in the universe he somewhere. He flung it throughout the universe, yeah. so no one knows where it is. And, and so now he's on a quest to find his home planet, which could be anywhere. But also, and I think this is something they, they don't put too fine a point on, but I think Galactus understands it. By letting Silver Surfer have his human memories, he also has his human guilt. Yeah. 
and he cannot handle what he has done. So Silver Surfer is now trying to find Zenlaw. That's the main purpose of the storyline. And he's also wrestling with his conscience, which is destroying him. Meanwhile... Well, and additionally, uh, has has no friends in the universe. Yeah, no one. No one, mm. no one knows him. No one loves him. Everyone fears and hates him. The, the people who know who he is just see him as a genocidal monster. Yeah. Uh, in fact, there are people throughout the series who try to hunt him and punish him for mm. things he actually did. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't in his right mind, but mm. how much of an excuse is that? He mm. volunteered to be Galactus' herald. Yeah. So it, he is, in many respects, culpable. Um, and the other, meanwhile, is that Frankie, the, the girl who helped Silver Surfer see the light becomes Galactus's new herald. And, and it, it turns out she like when even when she was a human had kind of a superpower. Yeah, like it was, it's implied that she's kind of a mutant and she's mm. got the ability basically she always finds what she's looking for. She's got an mm. impeccable sense of direction even on a cosmic level. Mm. So whereas the Silver Surfer was just sort of flying around the galaxy just that planet'll do, she's actually going to spend most of the series looking for uninhabited planets mm. and actually succeeding at it and, and doing a good and job. And she also remembers everything about being a human. She has the same personality when she's transformed into Galactus Herald, uh, renamed Nova. I don't know, mm-hmm. I just call her Frankie. Eh, she Nova, has the same got, memory. She's got but, fire and stuff. She looks but, yeah, cool. She gives her gold skin, her in this really disturbing way, her head sort of blooms open in the back. So you can mm-hmm. kind of see inside and then yeah. fire sprays out. Well, of it. I like the implication that she's just living fire inside a metal suit. No, oh, there is something go. really cool about mm. it. It's again, it makes no sense, but it looks amazing. But she talks really hip and she makes pop culture references and it's not quite as insufferable as you might think. No, and she's not in every episode, yeah. so it's not too bad. And it gets, she starts mellowing out about it after a mm. while. Uh, the next episode is the planet of Dr. Moreau. Which isn't really a planet of Dr. Moreau. No, it's not. But uh, the the episode begins with Silver Surfer. On his first leg of his journey, he stops off at a space station where everyone mm. hates him. He's <laughs> killed half of their planets. And he is mm. arrested and sent to a slave world where the... Is it the Skrulls run the slave world? Uh, no, the Kree run the, the slave Kree world. The Kree run the slave world. Yeah. Okay, I get confused. And, and they're, they're mining... Uh, Something they're mining the very this is a really good uh, Star Trek y kind of twist. All of these people are forced to work in a mine, they wear these collars that keep them in line and shock them when they, they get out of, out, of, uh, out of line. And the thing they're mining is the collars, <laughs> the, the stuff, stuff they, they make the collars out of. That's yeah, that's delicious storytelling. The, the, right the, there. The, uh, Rod Serling is like, Oh, well done. So, <laughs> Silver Surfer doesn't have his powers mm-hmm. and he ends up. Without his superhuman abilities, trying to do the right thing, even though it's incredibly difficult, and he teams up with Pip the Troll, member of the Infinity Watch number one, yay, uh, to rescue everybody and start a rebellion. And all of a sudden, there's now, after he succeeds at the end of the episode, not only is this like the story of the week has been resolved, but all of a sudden there are people who like him all of a sudden mm. for the first time in God knows how long. Well, and that, that means a lot to him. People and he's also inspired freedom, mm-hmm. uh, kind of sloppily. Like he was able yeah. to figure out how the colors worked and how it was your own thoughts of being indentured that keeps the color on you. 
Mm-hmm. So it's actually, you know, it's really big, heavy. Big, big metaphor there for, yeah. you know, the, the, the thing that enslaves you is the thing you put on yourself. And mm-hmm. so he convinces some people just don't think of it. It doesn't, you are not a slave anymore. And they just sort of remove them. Yeah. And which is, and, a, and, which is a platitude, but again, we're looking, we're telling stories in yeah. broad strokes and, and it's a platitude, but also like people see that it's like, look, he just took his collar off and a bunch of people say, well, we can do that too. And they yank it and they just get shocked and horribly. It's like <laughs> the concept doesn't, quite fast that easily <laughs> um at the end of the episode pip the troll asks if he can fly the the cosmos with silver surfer and silver surfer was like yay a friend S- sit on the front of the board uh the next two-part episode is mm. called learning curve uh and in this episode they go to the universal library of the watchers all that information they've been collecting mm. about the galaxy for forever it's got to be somewhere. Mm. So they track it down in the hopes of finding Zen La. While they're there, they end up running into a whole bunch of other recognizable Marvel characters, including Drax the Destroyer. Infinity Watch member number two. <laughs> uh, Nebula, who oh. in the comics and in the movies is related to Thanos. Maybe they would have gotten to that eventually, mm. but they don't yeah. here. Um, and they're, they're very different from the comics to the movies. But, yeah. And that, that character in particular... And, um, yeah, and it's a big, long, epic journey. And oh, when they and, get and, to and the... Uh, isn't Gamora in here, too? I, I think she's introduced here, but she's not important yet. Um, okay. yeah. oh, yeah. we, we see her. But there's yeah. this recurring subplot with a whole bunch of alien races whose planets have been destroyed by Galactus, and they are teaming up. They're starting an alliance in order to destroy Galactus and, by extension, Silver Surfer. And mm-hmm. Gamora's part of that. Um, Infinity Watch member number three. <laughs> Uh, they get to the library, and in the mm-hmm. second part, we find out what happened to the Watchers. Uatu is indeed the last one. And the Watchers decided to intervene and save a, ga- a, a galaxy from a plague. Like, there was mm-hmm. a ga- plague spreading out through countless worlds. Yeah, and they, they figured out how to cure it, and they just flew around curing this plague on multiple planets. And they were feeling pretty good about themselves. But they had not they had not interfered for so long that they were actually susceptible to it. And they ended up not just getting sick, but turning into amorphous piles of jelly. Well, they turned into carnivorous jelly. Yeah. Like like, like the block. Te- like teeth form and they eat stuff. Yeah. And, and yeah, so they arrive at this library, and, and this feels very Doctor Who to me. You arrive at this big library and there's just these creatures lurking inside. Mm-hmm. Um, there is and, a, there is a Doctor Who episode about that. And as it turns out, as they land at their library, they too, including the Silver Surfer, are all susceptible to this plague. And but what Except they find out is, for like Pip and Drax are not susceptible. Which I think they might have mentioned the, why. They, but it, no, they explained. Oh, that's right, because yeah. they didn't go to the library for selfish they, reasons. Well, they didn't go to the library because they wanted knowledge. That's uh-huh. the thing. And we find out once they actually get turned into the jelly monsters, mm-hmm. they find out that. They possess all of the information in the library. Yeah, actually, their consciousnesses are still there, but they've all merged together to form one giant consciousness. And the Silver Surfer is actually tempted to join, but he can't. Mm -hmm. And Pip and Drax, yeah, they didn't go because they wanted knowledge, so they aren't like those beings. They came because their friends were there. And the big philosophical point, and this is pretty, again, pretty deep for a Saturday morning cartoon, Mm -hmm. merely acquiring knowledge, having information is a negative end unto itself. The acquisition of knowledge must lead to action. Yeah, that's the whole thing. This Silver is stuff philosophers like, been discussing, you know, discussing for centuries. Silver Surfer rejects mm-hmm. this, this new way of life because they would just want to absorb information and never do anything about it. And he's mm-hmm. like, no, I want to help. 
Mm. I want to do at least I want to find Zen Law. Like, yeah, knowing is not an end unto itself, and I Mm. I like that concept, yeah, (laughs) especially in a cartoon show. Uh, so Silver Surfer saves himself, he's able to re solidify himself through the power of his will. Um, and yeah, figures out that Drax and Pip didn't go there for selfish reasons and they are able to abscond. Uh, Drax and Pip end up absconding together, mm-hmm. um, and go off on their own adventures. We'll see them one more time, but Silver Surfer is all of a sudden lonely again. And he's actually all of a sudden like, yeah, having had a friend for even a short while, it just reminds you how really lonely it is just mm. flying through the vast emptiness of <laughs> space by myself on a surfboard. The next episode is called Inner Visions. This is an episode. Oh, this is the the this is very Star Trek, the Fantasy Machine episode. Yeah, so Silver Surfer lands on a planet where everyone on the planet is being tended to by robots that keep them nourished, but they're all just sort of they're, they're comatose. They're they're just sort of blissfully laying there, and I'm not sure if if you're familiar with um, uh, Borgia's story, The Immortal. Or maybe a little the, bit, the immortals. You, yeah, I've, yeah, I've talked about it before, but yeah, yeah it's refresh people's memory. Uh, it, it's a, a short story, a Borges short story, Borges short story, where um, about a, a like a conquistador who goes looking for the fountain of youth. He wants to find immortality, and after trekking for countless months and nearly starving to death, he finds it. He finds this land where the immortals live, and he doesn't know he's uh, arrived there at first because it's just a bunch of like gray featureless like old guys who are not doing anything. Yeah. They're just sort of laying there and he takes the fountain of youth and he is now immortal and he instantly understands that immortality is the worst possible thing. Mm-hmm. Not because, you know, time passes and you see tragedy. It's just when there's no death and you have infinite time, there is literally no motivation to do anything. Mm. It's like, I've never spent a century in the bottom of a hole. I'm going to do that. Going to spend a century in a bottle of a hole and not do anything, and yeah, eventually it's about him sort of finding a way to leave. I don't know. Personally, I think mm. it's mm. the people who become immortal obviously have a crisis of imagination more than anything else. But <laughs> that's me. Uh, so in this case, mm. it's a planet uh, in which Silver Surfer ends up inside the dream machine, and it turns out that they're all living this kind of Greco-Roman Westworld existence where yeah, everyone's every- fighting gladiator duels; and they can never lose, and they're all yeah, always winning. And, and, one of and the, they're all Scottish for some reason. They, and they, they look like horse skeletons. Well, but they're, well, they're Beta Ray Bill, actually. Beta yeah. Ray Bill is one of is the character we're introduced to here, mm. and, who's, and the, who's from, who, who is a Thor. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, in the, okay, this is a digression. Mm. In the comics, Beta Ray Bill was an alien who ran into Thor in the middle of space. They fought, mm. and like many foolish opponents of Thor in the past. Beta Ray Bill tried to pick up Thor's hammer, but of mm. course, Thor's hammer can only be picked up if you're worthy of the hammer of mm. Thor. So no one ever really picks it up, and Beta Ray picks it up just fine because <laughs> he's awesome. And then Beta Ray Bill becomes Thor, and then Thor becomes a human, and he's trapped on a planet. It's one of the coolest issues of Thor ever. And, Be- and Beta Ray Bill was Thor for a second there, wasn't he? he was for, there, a, for a while. He, oh, he and ended so, up getting so his, Thor getting had this big own, weird monstery face for a little while. He ended up uh, Beta Ray Bill ended up getting his own version. Of Thor's hammer Mjolnir, which is called mm. Stormbreaker, like oh. Odin gave him his own. Uh, oh, okay, gave uh, him his, his, his own, own hammer. Yeah, so, so there was, was more than was, one Thor, and it was a ball peen hammer, if I recall. Yeah, it was a weird <laughs> choice, but it looked cool on him. And uh, so Beta Bill is a cool character in the comics. Mm. Uh, I actually I interviewed Kevin Feige when Thor Ragnarok came out, and mm. I was like, 
You didn't have Beta Ray Bill in your. This is the perfect opportunity. It's a gladiator arena. You could have put Beta Ray Bill in there. And he said they did put Beta Ray Bill in there, and then they took him out because yeah. it was too small a cameo, and they would want to do something else with him someday. Oh, so they would like right. he's just too cool a character. You want to do something with Beta Ray Bill? So that's there's a there's a well, shout said, out. This was to called Stormbreaker, which was the thing in it showed up in the movie. It wasn't that the second hammer that Thor was using. Yeah, it was the same. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that that that, 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 that they made in that really bizarre forge sequence. I know it's so weird, um, but I digress. So Thor ends up teaming up with Beta Ray Bill, breaking everyone free of their dream, and they end up fighting off Thanos, who's like trying to destroy the planet. The next episode is the one with the story by Harlan Ellison. It is called Antibody. And in this episode, Nova comes up to Silver Surfer and says, Galactus is dying. We need you to save him. And and if Galactus dies, they also lose their cosmic powers. And they're just in space, so Mm. they'll die too. Mm. But more than that, I think Silver Surfer would almost be content with that. Mm. That would be a certain poetic justice to that. There's there's a a twinge of of suicidal thinking always hanging around Silver Surfer. There's an an episode later where uh, Silver Surfer is his powers are stripped from him and he's forced through this kind of gauntlet and if it kills him so be it. And there's a couple times Silver Surfer is just like I could, Good. I could just give up right now. I that deserve to die. Yeah. Like this is I did all those horrible things. This is fine. This is justice. Um so but Silver Surfer is torn for a couple of reasons and the, the biggest one is who am I to judge even Galactus? Mm-hmm. Galactus is just doing what Galactus does. He eats. It's not and, his fault. And, and, the, and it's yeah. like so and th- this this is a really st- uh, another stark example of how he's a Christ figure. Yeah. Christ believed in you know infinite love and forgiveness, even of the greatest of monsters. There's humanity in there. Yeah, and Galactus is he 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 does take a lot of pleasure in the destruction he causes. Right, he doesn't but care take, about humanity. I take pleasure in eating my food yeah. too, but that's not really the the issue. Is when he's sick and dying he's actually rather pathetic mm. and Silver Surfer can see the humanity in that he does strike a deal with with him though and says if I help you and if I if you put me into your body so I can find the infection and kill it that's mm. the plot uh, you will tell me where Zen Lai is and Galactus is like I'll tell you what I know very pointedly I'll using tell those you words. What I know um, this is an episode of Doctor Who it was called Into the Dalek Mm. Uh, it was one of the first ones with um, uh, Scottish dude. Scottish dude. You know the the, the older David doctor. Tennant. Did, no, the other one. The other one. The Peter eyebrows. Capaldi. Peter Capaldi. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's, 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 there, we always record late, and I'm tired. There are many Scots. <laughs> Peter Capaldi yeah. uh, did in one of his first episodes in as the Doctor in Doctor Who. Uh, he ran into a Dalek who was dying, and he was asked to go inside the Dalek and fight off an infection. But he hated the Dalek because the Daleks mm. had committed a lot of genocide. But then again, so had the Doctor, mm. and it's kind of suspiciously similar in a lot of ways. Mm. Again, great minds might just think alike. Neither of these stories invented going inside someone. Yeah, that's well, that's fantastic voyage. So well, that was also. Uh, I, I'm sorry to bring up the comics, but these are actually to- comics I'm really familiar with. <laughs> these are like Do the it. one. These are the ones I read. Uh, there was a story in the Infinity War comic. Ah. Uh, to, to stage it, Infinity Gauntlet uh, was the first Infinity. St- well, I guess the Thanos Quest was the first. Okay, Infinity okay, story, yeah, yeah. but Thanos collected the collected Infinity, Infinity Stones, Gems, and all of Marvel teamed up to fight him in a miniseries called the Infinity. Infinity Gauntlet. And the sequel was called Infinity War, mm-hmm. and that had a really weird conceit where 
Adam Warlock ended up with the Infinity Gauntlet and ended up exp- subconsciously expelling good and evil from his body. Yeah, he wanted but to be good, pure and not make stupid decisions, right, so he so. expelled the good of him and the bad of him. In Infinity so War, he little... fought the evil Adam Warlock, yeah. and in Infinity Crusade, Infinity, in Infinity Crusade, Crusade, he fought the good version of himself. <laughs> so fucking weird. But uh, it, it, <laughs> in order for the bad guy, the evil in Adam Warlock, to uh, fulfill his master plan, mm. which was, of course, to get the Infinity Gauntlet, uh, he had to like put eternity mm. the living embodiment of space like in a coma. Oh yeah. And Thanos now. had the only technology to cure him and ended up turning uh or no it wasn't Thanos it was another one of the cosmic beings. Mm. Living ended tribunal. Up, I think it might have been the living tribunal okay. like ended up turning Gamora into essentially the scalpel that was cutting through his body. So it's been it's been done in this so weird cosmic cool. ways in comics before. Anyway, the cool thing is, it turns out that the virus that's killing Galactus because Galactus ate a bad planet, <laughs> yeah, more or less. The planet was actually specifically designed to kill Galactus. Mm. Like the people sent from various races, like this, sent, inte- this intelligent virus was living inside. Yeah. yeah, just waiting for Galactus to eat it, and then tried to get it to look as tasty as possible, and, Gal- and Nova fell for it. Um, so Silver Surfer has to, and the, even the virus is just like, where are you fighting him? I'm trying to kill Galactus. He's Silver Surfer's like, it's complicated. <laughs> it's kind of zap zap. <laughs> but he ends up saving Galactus. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the next, and, ep- and again, another Christ allegory. He's, oh, yes. a, he's a healer. One of his powers is he can heal people. Uh, and Galactus is good on his word. And he tells him, yeah, I'll tell you what happened to Senla. I flung it through space and even I don't know where it is anymore. Great. Thanks, asshole. Dick. Uh, <laughs> the next episode, Can I just call you Galactic Dick from now on? The next episode is called Second Foundation. Uh, Nova tries to help Silver Surfer find Which, Zemlock. I, she I can like, find whichever she's I like to think for. that's an Asimov reference Probably to the Foundation is. series. Uh, Nova decides to help Silver Surfer find Zenlock. She can find whatever she's looking for. Mm-hmm. But they find a planet kind of like Zenlock. But it's actually the Skrull hatching world. Oh, th- this was kind of an odd episode. This one, I think I think they kind of fumbled the execution, but there's some interesting ideas here. So again, the Skrulls are a race of shapeshifters. But the idea is, when Skrulls are born, they're kind of like Jack-Jack from The Incredibles. Mm. They're, they're, they're all little, powerful. Little monsters. All yeah. power, all potential. They can become whatever they want. And as such, they are insanely dangerous. So they leave them alone on a planet for a long time with just like a couple of caretakers and then when they're old enough to be trusted mm. and like they're you know taught to shapeshift into scrolls yeah then they're brought up and brought into society um problem is that the queen who's been laying the eggs is kind of dead and uh now what and the scrolls have been trying to figure out what the hell uh and the caretaker of the planet invites Silver Surfer and Nova there in order to help take care of a new egg for the queen and prevent the current regime of scrolls from taking it because they are warmongers mm. and if they could it, it turns into mars needs moms basically I, I was i was about, about to bring to that up evil yeah. and, um it's okay um it's kind of a lot to absorb in only one episode it's also really it's more plot heavy than idea heavy or yeah Maybe the least interesting episode of the show. Yeah, just it, yeah. Any other episode, any other show, this would be one of the more high-minded ones. But yeah. in Silver Surfer, not so much. The next episode is called Radical Justice. Oh, and this is the one you referred to, yeah. where uh, 
So Gamora and her merry crew of uh, vengeful pirates. Lord Glenn and the Wanderers. <laughs> Lord Glenn. Yeah. Better name, guy. Yeah. Uh, Glenn, really? They're able to capture the Silver Surfer and they have concocted a plan to execute him. And they put him on trial they, first. They put, and, yeah, they put him on trial. And, and, they, and the they server surfer let, basically incriminates himself. He's yeah. like, yeah, I did that. You know, yeah. you, you don't have to say that, right? No, I, I know I, what I did. I, well, and that's his curse. He has to be honest. Yeah. And, and so uh, they have found this way to uh, make him mortal. And then that's where he has his reckoning, where mm-hmm. he's... And it, it's this really elaborate thing where he has to really be like perilously suspended between two stars. And... Uh, yeah, while so he's epic. While, yeah, while so he's this, epic. while he's suspended there, he turns back into Norrin Rad. Yeah, the silver drips off of his body, and he's just the regular guy now. Also, they put booby traps everywhere. Yeah, so just to kill him as a person, they don't want him to live a nice long life. Yeah. So, but the problem is that while they're doing all that. Like more aliens attack, mm. and they're and no, oh no, the stars that they use are, to are drain collapsing. Energy, yeah, yeah, they're collapsing, and everyone's getting sucked into a black hole. And the only person who could possibly save them is the Silver Surfer. And Norrin Rad, who was literally just about to let himself die because mm. that's a perfectly fitting end, says he, he he has to take on the mantle of the Silver Surfer again, which he doesn't want to do. Nope, because the only way to atone. Is to keep aid, saving is people. to keep saving lives, and so he actually is actually pretty clever. How do you get him out of that black hole? He he puts a portal through space, a wormhole mm. right in front of the black hole, so everyone just gets dragged through that right safely. But a bing, and then then they're in the distant part of the galaxy. And I like that Gamora, who was very gung ho about all of this, is just like he did not have to do that. He could have just let us die. I have a lot, like, I think that's the last line, like, I have a lot to think about. Yeah. Which is a lot of Silver Surfer, I have a lot to think about. We we haven't given, uh, talked a lot about the way people speak in Silver Surfer. Yeah, it's not colloquial. It's it's all very high, it's just as high-minded as the epic visuals and the epic ideas. We are about to be undone by the very thing we built. You know, people actually speak that way. No, I told you, it sounds Mm. like a Greek tragedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't have quite the poetry of, Mm. say, Shakespeare, but it has... Has the portent mm. of great classic literature, and, and I've and I've whined about this before. You know, the the approach in a lot of the new comic book movies is to make them really realistic and make make them colloquial, and try to see what the world would look like if Iron Man actually did exist. Sure, or, and there's and, a place and, for that. And, and, and you know, they've been drifting away into like wilder places, but they're still staying uh, character wise, really colloquial and really sort of casual, and they're discussing things in a very natural way. And I think. We've lost a lot of the old world comic book theatricality mm. that was just par for the course throughout the early days of the comics, yeah. like in the in the the golden and silver ages, whatever, where the the villains were larger than life and the heroes were larger than life, and they all spoke in that really big way. Silver Surfer is the only filmed rendition of that that I think I've ever encountered. Even the old like really cheapo. Cartoons from the 1960s, mm-hmm. which were basically Tony just Tony pan- Stark was nice, nice man. Yeah, it whatever was, it was. It was uh, it was yeah. basically uh, uh, panel for panel, yeah, more adaptations of the ba- comics with often li- often barely moving. Yeah, basically just here's the panel mm. voiceover. Here's the next panel. Maybe someone's lips move. Like it was pretty yeah, rudimentary, was but like, the stories were so good. I can't, I watched those when I was a kid. Those were still on the air. Those were still in repeats. It was uh, Mike Nelson's? It made Clutch Cargo look like Miyazaki. But yeah, this one actually does capture that sort of Stanley, Jack Kirby, and and to a degree also Jim Starling, who mm-hmm. wrote a lot of these cosmic comic books in the seventies. Um, 
sort of yeah grandiosity mm-hmm. and, and that, about, that, that's what I think I appreciate most well here's the thing I think with the MCU and I think they found a pretty good balance but at the same time uh Marvel has a tendency to constantly take the piss out of itself. Yeah, Spider-Ham and all the rest. Well, no, no, no. I'm talking talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, Where they will build up something really, really big, and then they'll brush it off with a little joke. Yeah. And at first, I think initially, that was sort of a defense mechanism on the Mm. part of Marvel, where, look, we know it's kind of silly, we're in on it too, ha ha, but we're going to have some fun today, so let's enjoy it. But now I think they've earned the right not to do that, Mm. and they're still committed to it. Here, there's no apology for the kind of thing Silver Surfer is. There's never like a, we know it's weird, we don't know it's weird, this is natural. I think audiences would reject it. I think if they tried to do it now, people would say, where's the humor? I I miss that now. I think they can phase it in. I think Mm. they use it too much Mm. i think it's too many of the big plot points and something that end up getting thrown aside with a little gag and Mm. i think you can do it maybe 50 percent of the time and still have all the interstitial humor i'm just talking about undermining the drama yeah yeah and i think they do that too bathos is the word thank you i was trying to remember the word it's bathos Mm. yeah bathos is what there's a good video about how marvel cinematic universe does that online just look Mm. up mcu or i think wonder woman did it it was it was because of Wonder Woman didn't do that. Yeah, and it was still funny like, Wonder, and exciting. But Wonder, it didn't Wonder Woman, Black, Black Panther, as well, is yeah. like, not not a, a lot of that sort of goofiness. Yeah, when it was needed to be taken seriously, they took it seriously, and everything in Silver Surfer needs to be taken seriously. <laughs> uh, the next episode is called the Forever War. Oh, and this is the Adam Warlock episode. Yeah, so in this episode, uh, Adam Warlock is Adam Warlock to... is my favorite love character. Yeah. Okay, because I'm, I'm the only one. <laughs> Silver Surfer likes Adam Warlock. Silver Surfer is trying to find Zen Law. Mm. Again, it's his whole thing. Uh, and he goes to the Kree, and the Kree have, their leader is the Supreme Intelligence, and it's this big, blobby, green head with tentacles. Uh, okay, this is so Star Trek, it's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> a society run by a computer is something that came up in Star Trek, like, time and time again. But the, the Kree Intelligence is a biological organism mm-hmm. that absorbs information, blah, 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 blah. He's evil. Uh, but Adam Warlock, not Adam Warlock, Silver mm. Surfer wants information, and they say, okay, but here's the deal with the Kree. Uh, we're, we're very utilitarian. Mm. So Utility is, is the basis of their planetary yeah. ethos. So if you have a use for us, we will happily, in return, mm. give you something. But if not, we're not just going to give it to you for nothing. We don't believe in charity. Mm. So Silver's so like, well, what do you want? Okay, well, one of our generals disappeared. Like, mm. his whole ship disappeared. In like this intergalactic Bermuda Triangle, so find him, and we'll then we'll get you an interview with the Green Intelligence, and he's like, fine. So he it, f- goes to this weird spot it, in the galaxy, it's, and it's there's like a, a, there's like a living suck mouth in space with tentacles. <laughs> living suck mouth in space with yeah, tentacles. Like a little sucker mouth. It's it's like a lamprey in space, but mm. once it absorbs you, you enter into this pocket dimension, and there, Silver Surfer sees Adam Warlock. Mm-hmm. This gold-skinned Herculean. In this one, he's this very ha kind of he's, he's, haughty he's, he's, action Yeah, hero, really cavalier hotspur type. Which is, is yeah. really kind of a massive reworking of Adam Warlock. A- Adam Warlock is, he's more like Silver Surfer in the comics, he's, where he's just really moody and introspective. Yeah, it's th- they, they made a big shift on mm-hmm. that one. But uh, he's fighting this never-ending war mm. against armadas that this thing keeps well, sucking in to fight him. Never-ending, specifically, once the battle is done, time kind of resets itself, his memory resets, and he has to fight it again. Silver Surfer recognizes mm. the time loop and helps Adam Warlock escape. Adam Warlock discovers that he was created by his species in order to fight off 
mm. uh, the the Cree. Yeah, and yeah, but he was so good at it uh-huh. that uh, they were afraid that then, he might turn on them, so they stuck him in that pocket dimension. Well, it's actually more complicated than that. I love it because okay, so we built this weapon; it fought off the Cree. Great. Now we have this weapon. We really weren't a weapon kind of race, and we're scared of him. We should build another one just in case this one goes bad. Okay, we should build another one just in case that one goes bad, and then end up being an entire planet full of people fighting each other, and it destroyed the entire planet. It, it was a planet of Maguses, too. I know. Yeah. Magus is the evil Adam the, the Warlock. The evil Adam Warlock. Uh, so, but Adam Warlock in that time, what they decided to do with him was throw him into this pocket dimension. He would fight his never-ending war. He'd feel pretty good about himself, but he'd be out of everyone's hair. Mm. Uh yeah, he, he has the soul gem in his forehead. That was the shtick with Adam Warlock. Yeah. He carried around the soul gem in his head. They don't, he does in the cartoon, he, but they don't explain he, what yeah, it is. He's got the gem, they don't say what it is, and it's just, it's a laser beam. Yeah. Just sh- blows ships up. Silver Surfer and Adam Warlock go to the Kree Supreme Intelligence. Supreme Intelligence is like, hey, thanks for bringing me Adam Warlock. I'll have a lot of fun dissecting that guy. And Silver mm. Surfer's like, ah, crap. So they leave. <laughs> I can't have you do that. And Silver Surfer's like, great. Well, I have a friend. You can join me throughout the universe. And Adam Warlock's like, no, I'm actually really torn with guilt because I let because that whole planet died because I was created so I'm just going to go back to that pocket dimension for forever and then he does goes goes right back in which is a hell of a decision (laughs) that's a hell of a decision he was created for war he was happy he He was was really enjoying himself yeah Uh, I don't mind that they repurposed the character and like changed him into this war general the one thing I object to were those stupid little like beard horns they put on his chin he has like this like Weird, two, almost two, goatee. Two little things sticking out of on did, either side of his chin. Why did he need those? He didn't yeah. have those in the comic at the time. It's not like they were trying to, like, they added those for no reason. Just designing him differently. Couldn't and figure it out. Just, I don't know why. Maybe just make his face look more interesting, I suppose. The next episode is called Return to Zen Law. And in this episode, Silver Surfer finds Zen Law. And or they're actually does re- he? <laughs> he finds Zen Law and they're really accepting of him and Shallow Ball's just like, Hey, great, I'm your girlfriend again. Mm. Nothing happened while you were gone. And <laughs> and then they're just like, Hey, Norrin Rad should be our yeah. new leader. And everyone's like, Yeah, Norrin Rad's just like, I don't know if I should be your new leader. I think you're kinda of jumping to conclusions. You're right, we should fight. Wait, what? <laughs> I, look, I've seen Star Trek. I knew what was going on from frame one. Yeah, I did too. It's too <laughs> easy. He just remember, finds yeah. it at the beginning of the episode. Do you remember that episode where, where Riker like wakes up and it's 16 years later and then he figures out that there's a lot of mistakes and it turns out it was a big Romulan plot and it was all a hologram. But then it turns out even that was a fake and it was this one psychic alien that just wanted a friend who created that entire charade. Dude, I don't remember that because there are like eight other episodes like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, well... <laughs> That's why I recognized this episode. Remember when Patrick Stewart was just living on some planet and had a flute? But but it was really in his brain, and it was an alien probe. Remember that time when they were in a a really crappy dime store novel? Oh, God. (laughs) The Royale. It was a dark and stormy night. Yeah. That, and and they found an, an astronaut who had been trapped there for like thirty years I and know. was like, and was like writing his journal saying like I'm I am in hell because this was such a badly written book that the aliens <laughs> based this on. Um, Norrin Red figures it out eventually. Yeah, and of course turns, it's all fake. It's all a fake, but it's actually all a fake because it's Ego, the Living Planet. He found mm-hmm. his way back to Ego, and Ego wanted to entice Silver Surfer to stay and protect him from Galactus. 
Well, and also as sort of a thanks for protecting him before. Well, that's his story. His story is like, you, you protected me before. I wanted to give you everything you ever wanted. And so it was like, but it's a sham and it doesn't count. Mm. And he's just like, okay, well, I also wanted you to protect me from Galactus. And this was going to be your payment. And mm. Silver Surfer's like, well, screw you. And again, a big fight. And Ego's about to die. And Silver Surfer decides to use all his power to save Ego. Mm. Because Ego <laughs> isn't evil. He's just misguided. Yeah. Um, which again... Forgiveness, there's no such thing as evil. There is only potential redemption. Wow. It's heady concepts, dude. Heady concepts. The last episode, sadly, is a, is a two-parter that we never got the second part of. It's curse you, Silver Surfer! It's called The End of Eternity. Uh, Silver Surfer is summoned by the deities Eternity and Infinity. Mm. Uh in this one, eternity is all of time and infinity is all of space. I believe it's in the, the comics it's the reversed. other way around, man. Um, but well, in fact, no, they switch it in the show. In fact, uh, the first time we see them, eternity is space and infinity is time. But when we see them in this episode, they they flipped it. I don't so. really care. So they, but they uh, they decide they need the Silver Surfer. It's just a big continuity error. They need they need the Silver Surfer to stop Thanos because Thanos has discovered a power that allows him to reverse time, and he's going to reverse all of time and unmake the entire universe mm-hmm. just to get this statue to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we didn't mention in the in the Dream Machine episode oh, because yeah. uh, Thanos was. Uh, charging in and was going to destroy the planet, and they distract him by turning the dream machine on him. Oh, yeah. And chaos comes to life in that episode. Oh, that's right. Good he stuff. Get, he gets everything he wants. He destroys the universe within the dream machine. Mm. But now he's back. Going to unmake all of reality. Mm. Silver Surfer has to stop him. Silver Surfer actually tries to team up with Galactus, but Galactus is stuck in a time loop as well, and he's always hungry, and he's really pissed. <laughs> like half the episode he's getting is, hungrier and hungrier. Half the episode is Silver Surfer trying to reason with Galactus, and Silver Surfer and Galactus wants and none of Galactus it. Galactus is hangry. <laughs> <laughs> and the episode ends with Silver Surfer confronting Thanos, and Thanos is just like, "You think you can defeat me?" To be continued. Never. Never. That's the end of the series. The series, they had eight more episodes already written. They were working on a season two already. Mm. And the series didn't, the series actually got okay ratings. The series ended because of some dispute between Marvel and Saban. So this one didn't get canceled for good reasons, like logical reasons, like the ratings were bad. It got canceled because some shitty behind the scenes thing. And I am wondering, this probably hit that magical sweet spot. Uh, of Saturday morning cartoons. A lot of really great Saturday morning cartoons were canceled because they were too smart in, in mm. that they were too smart for a kid audience. Yeah. L- look at something like Freakazoid, for instance. Or that, Sam that's, and Max. Or, or, yeah, or, these yeah. things are, are too weird for little kids and only stoned college kids, to be perfectly frank. Yeah. Not to put too fine, fine a point on it, were the only audience for that. And those college kids aren't consuming what Saturday morning cartoons are advertising. They're not buying Polly Pocket. You know, they're 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 saving up money for bongs. So those shows were failing because the advertisers weren't getting the the money they wanted from those shows. I would totally I think, smoke out of a Galactus bong. Like his head <laughs> He's got a is big the bong, bong head and like anyway, out of his yeah, mouth big, is big like long the, cylindrical head. That would be cool, man. Um I think Silver Surfer might have 
been one of the only shows that could hit both audiences. Yeah. Because it's smart enough for the college kids because it has all of this heady philosophical stuff and interesting, rich sci-fi stories. But at the same time, it's got funny, weird aliens and cosmic blasts and war and spaceships. And yeah, I you think can appreciate this on a, on a totally really, superficial yeah. level and still and just, dig just, it. Or, and just on an aesthetic level. That's what I mean. Like, it's fine a, for the action. On a purely, yeah. I'm just watching cartoons, haha, this yeah. stuff is cool, and only later do I realize just how deep it was. Yeah. Or I, you can like, watch watched, it and just appreciate how deep it is. I watched cartoon. I watched Transformers cartoons. I didn't give a shit about the Transformers. Yeah. I, I didn't I didn't feel for those characters. I just liked the robots and I liked watching them shoot and I liked the action. Every once in a while the Transformers yeah. would try to do a big philosophical episode yeah. about the tragedy of war and yeah, the, we, yeah. we found paradise and mm. they and we the, had to destroy and we, the Decepticons built a parking they pay, lot. Yeah, they and paid they, paradise and put up a parking lot. Like is but like and it's like, oh we Big won. yellow taxicon we, drive away. <laughs> we built we we won, but as they're looking out over paradise as it's burning and i'm sorry every like a very special episode of transformers i ever saw wasn't as good as the worst episode of silver surfer <laughs> this show oh, well. nailed it in a way yeah. that i did not expect it to i had hoped for the best but i didn't silver surfer i think was i think stan lee or jack kirby called silver surfer their favorite character for a while there right. and i think it's because you can tell a story with silver surfer you literally can't tell with any other character mm. literally there's no other character you well, spider-man couldn't do this and they and they this is one of those rare characters where they get to start with philosophy mm-hmm. uh you know you start with uh Spider-Man, you start with the concept of Spider-Man. He was an, uh, just a regular guy with superpowers, and he's uh, guilt-ridden by his sense of responsibility. I, I That's think fine, that... but it's 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 human, and it you can only stretch that so far. I know I, they, I, I they went disagree. to wild places with Spider-Man. I, I but... actually disagree with Spider-Man as using Spider-Man as your example, well, yeah, because maybe... his philosophy is power versus responsibility, or and okay, well, that's challenged all the time. But, okay, maybe Spider-Man is a bad example, yeah. but... You can only do so many things with a human character, essentially. Yes, that's true. Um, you can't get speculative with a human character. In Silver Server, you can go to, like Star Trek, you can go to the planet of many hats. In that, <laughs> that that's an old TV trope where uh, in, in Star Trek, they go to a planet. All of the, every single member of that species believes in one philosophy. Right. All Klingon, like... They're not diverse the way humans are because that would be way too confusing just from a storytelling perspective. Right. So they go to all the Klingons live by war. They live by war and combat, and that's that's an honor is their system of of being. Yeah. The Ferengi, they're all avaricious and they all believe in acquisition and wealth and money and, and Randian philosophy. Like imagine, if you will, that uh, you're an alien species mm. and you've created fast line travel and you have your own Star Trek and you run into Earth. Mm. Earth doesn't if you wanted to like sub distill the overall philosophy of the, sentient life on earth, the unifying principle, you would be hard pressed. I mean, it would basically be about consumption and once consumption yeah. is satisfied, then we can worry about morality. Yeah. It's actually kind of ugly once you distill it down to the well, real. So maybe that's me being cynical. Well, that's but. that. That is. I mean, that if you want to, yeah, consumption is kind of what humanity is all about. But yeah. in, in the science fiction stories, we try to be a little bit more optimistic. So, well, I think our, we are. Our, but our, like- our, our uh, diversity and our. Um, uh, uh, Diplomacy are usually our great strengths. Those are our strengths. And I'm talking about what can you honestly say Mm. every culture on earth shares? Mm. Because our ideas of diplomacy, our ideas of even strength, Mm. our ideas of kindness vary from culture to culture. Mm. Um, It's just 
society is too complicated to right, only have right. one underlying <laughs> philosophy. There will always be dissenting voices who want to say, well, I want to do it this way. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. That, that one's okay. That one's not. <laughs> that one we're not going to be right. fine with. But this one's okay. You well, can but, try that. And, and, and indeed, on the planets of many hats in Star Trek, they do that all the time. It's like, oh, and we all live by this wonderful philosophy. I object. Let's listen to that guy. He's in uh, charge now. Now uh, that's our philosophy. Everyone agrees with that. Yeah. <laughs> but Until he turns evil. Because Silver Surfer is dealing with that very same concept of this planet of many hats, you can now actually have conflicting philosophical arguments in an actual real dramatic setting, which you couldn't do with Earthbound characters. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that has always been incredibly fascinating to me because I like those debates. It's my favorite part of Star Trek. It's my favorite part of science fiction in general. Yeah. Using these sort of speculative ideas to ponder the, tr- the very truths of humanity. Yeah. And... This is a Saturday morning cartoon that did that. And successfully. Successfully. It was on the same time as Star Trek, so that might have had a lot of influence on it. Like Star Trek, the live action series. The live action shows were were on. Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine. Next Generation had ended, but Deep Space Nine and Voyager were both on at the time. Yeah. So this was going in with this same sort of the trends at the time. Yeah. And thank goodness it did. Um, Yeah, I can't think of too many shows that really sort of captured that, and Silver Silver Surfer does it perfectly. Especially, again, for a kid audience. Mm. Really, really rare. And yet, because the characters are so weird, Mm. the action is so dynamic and unpredictable because literally anything can happen at any time, and Mm. it does, (laughs) um, it's never boring, even though it's very contemplative. It's... Great. Capital G, great. <laughs> it, it is a great TV series. Um, I, I I wanted to watch it, but I was in college when this was airing, and I uh, didn't have a lot of access to TV at the time, so yeah. I didn't really have much opportunity, unfortunately. I saw, like, the first mm. episode, mm. and I thought it was fine, but I was like, how, how far mm. can I really push this? And I just didn't watch more of it because, mm. you know, I was in high school, I wasn't watching as many cartoons at the time, and, yeah. and as a result, I missed some really good ones, and this is one where I wish I had stuck yeah, with it yeah. and watched more because it was oh, great. Another thing, I uh, although this is all, like, tapping right into my comics nostalgia, these are all the characters I read about, uh-huh. I actually appreciate that it wasn't going for fan service. They didn't yeah. have, like, the slow pan up the familiar character. They just introduced them all very frankly. This very is, organically, yeah. These are the characters that are part of this drama, and they're going to behave the way they behave. And it's not like, remember Thanos? The Silver Surfer is going to do that thing you know he's going to do. And I feel like the movies do that a lot. Mm. You know, it's like, there's going to be a Doctor Strange. Wink! You know, the, <laughs> Like oh boy, I can't, you know, that's what all those post-credit stingers are about. And there's gonna be another one. I was like, oh, can, can you just tell the story well, again, and let the no characters s- be like be introduced in a more organic again, fashion? There's no self-awareness in Silver Surfer. Yeah, it's an yeah, incredibly yeah. sincere mm-hmm. superhero story, if you can even call it that. And yeah, it's, it's it's not even a superhero tale. It's no, just this, it's, it's mythic. Sci- it's yeah, mythic sci-fi. <laughs> and yeah, there's not a lot like it. And yeah, there's there's not a, an insincere. Or self-aware or ironic bone in its body. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that great? Even when they, yeah, it's it's so refreshing. Uh, Even when they introduced, you know, the the hip talking Earthling, Mm -hmm. like she has a few self-aware jokes, but she is but one tiny element. She's not dictating the tone of the show. And honestly, all her all of her self-awareness is just like, Mm. this is weird. Like, yeah. that's it. Like, she doesn't, like, have anything cutesy. She doesn't, the like, one, constantly reference sci-fi yeah. shows she's watched. The one the one cute line she had is, uh, like, I couldn't get a job back on Earth, so I may as well take this gig. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this is just a job for you. Yeah. 
just finding planets to absorb. Great. There's something kind of interesting about having a character for whom being the Herald of Galactus is this incredibly important, mm. tragic bizarre terrible chapter in their life and to her it's a day job yeah there's something kind of like folding shirts at express as far as she's concerned yeah there's just something about that honestly like i would think that would offend the silver surfer a little (laughs) bit more than it does but um yeah i love the show this show totally could have lasted 100 episodes Mm. they had more than enough material well, if they had managed to stay with the ideas, yeah, and I, I know the temptation in a show, especially one as wild as a Silver Surfer, where they're going to all these planets, and eventually they would have to sort of settle in a little bit, mm. let us know that there's like finite characters that we can visit. I think. Well, I think we even by the end of the series, we're starting mm. to see Ego again, yeah. Drax and Pip come back. Um, and the temptation with that is to the temptation with any long running show, you make it a little bit too much about the interpersonal dynamic between the characters and it more or less becomes a soap opera. I think that doesn't work because uh, the silver surfer is by his nature, nature, a wanderer and he'll yeah. just, he'll keep running into people over mm. and over again, but they're not going to like team up with well, him for very long. If they do it right. Yeah. My point is that the temptation would always be there to, to start doing it wrong. So I, mm. I, after a hundred episodes, that would be my only fear that they start making it about like silver surfer falls in love with a new person. Uh-huh. And you know, they have the, the, all of this animosity from this old relationship. Oh, and we start exploring these side characters and I'm sure, you know, there's interesting dynamic dramas within there, mm. but the big sci-fi ideas is what makes this show superior to its peers. Well, here's what I'm going to say about that. We mm. talk a lot about that's our, like our ultimate, Mm. What if the show had lasted 100 episodes? Right. Um, very few shows reach 100 episodes without some wear and tear. Yeah. Um, there are very few shows that after 100 episodes are as good or better than they've been before. Mm. Um, I accept that. I accept a certain ebb and flow mm. and the idea that, you know, it's going to get bad and then it might get good again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like It happens, you know? <laughs> Buffy got bad, then it got good again. Mm. Simpsons got bad, then it got good again. It happens. And then it got bad, and then it got good again, and then it got bad, and then it got even worse, and then it got okay. And <laughs> Simpsons has been everywhere, man. That's true, and I I, I accept that. Mm. I think accept I think expecting a consistently crazy high level of quality from every show is an unrealistic standard, and uh, we're uh, lucky yeah. to get that for any length of time. I was, so, I, like, I'm if just, Game of I'm Thrones, just so high on how good it did. Yeah, like, so, yeah, if Game of Thrones isn't really doing it for you this season, it's still better than most other shows. Mm. Enjoy. I'm go- uh, when Game of Thrones ends its run. I'm finally going to watch it okay. once it's over, and I'm going to watch the episodes in reverse order. Fuck you. Because <laughs> I want I want to fuck I, you. As a What's weird, that going to prove? A weird thought experiment. What's to, that going to prove? Well, to see if the drama works uh, without the pretext of previous episodes. Because I, I, I know it's this big like epic story. Why would it so work if, without the pretext I, of previous episodes? If I episode? were to watch the climax, would it work on its own merits? Would you? Do you do that with novels? Do you read the last chapter and mm. say this doesn't work on its own merits? Fuck this novel. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Well, it's, a it's, not an, it's not an episodic storyline like that it's not like one adventure per week it's an ongoing oh. sprawling narrative uh, like then, war and then, peace then sucks I'll, i read the last chapter maybe, i didn't get it maybe i'll do uh see, seasons forward but seasons in reverse order maybe that'll work because the seasons kind of close off right mm, like they're stories yeah, unto themselves a little bit so i'll do that i won't do episodes uh, i'll do seasons in reverse order I still think it's a dumb idea. <laughs> See how, how the drama builds in reverse. I guess more power just, to just you, a, just but a it's thought ex- be really as, weird. as a thought experiment. Okay. 
so weird. I can do it with any show. It's just Game of Thrones was the one that came to mind. Anyway, that's canceled too soon this week, everybody. Silver Surfer was definitely canceled too soon. Yes, for sure. Um, and that is it in, for... In, our, in case all our Cavelling didn't get it done. Uh, and that is it for our Marvelous Month Plus of Marvels. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will be back next week with a review of Tarzan. Tarzan! Not, not just any Tarzan. The WB's Tarzan. WB Tarzan, he's a stud man. Yeah, he's in New York. Stud muffin Tarzan. With Sarah Wayne Callies from Prison Break and Walking Dead. And some bland hunky stud as Tarzan. You might remember him from the Warcraft movie. Because you remember and Vikings. Remember the Warcraft movie? Oh wait, nobody saw the Warcraft movie. Anyway, we wanted to, we we wanted to do Tarzan. We've been wanting to do this Tarzan for a while, and it was hard to track down. So we're doing this Tarzan. Enjoy, corny ass Tarzan. Uh, we also have coming up real real soon our our delayed cancel too soon monthly movie for our Patreon subscribers, where we're going to review both of the Captain America TV movies from the nineteen seventies. And when we're and done, that'll with, be it with Marvel forever. And then, <laughs> there's a few left, but we'll, no! we'll hold off for a while. We've done so many. Uh, and then after that, we're going to have a Patreon poll again for our Patreon subscribers, $5 and up. Uh, you get to vote for an episode a month and, uh, for the month of December, you're going to get to choose between three made for TV Christmas movies, including Ebby starring Susan Lucci from soap opera fame as a female Ebenezer Scrooge in the modern day. She runs Mm. a department store. Clarence. The sequel to It's a Wonderful Life, starring that one guy from Revenge of the Nerds as the angel. Mm-hmm. And Robert Carradine. And Home for the Holidays, an early 1970s pre-Black Christmas slasher film starring Sally Field. <laughs> Holy crap. Uh, our, our reaction was also, what? That's a thing? Yeah. Um. So those are your options. You can vote for those mm. only at our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash canceled too soon. That's canceled with one L. Mm. Uh, there's other perks there as well. You can go ahead and check that out. Um, we're also on the podcast critically acclaimed every week, reviewing new movies, doing weird double features uh, to illuminate the history of cinema in ways one might not otherwise have expected. <laughs> uh, we also have a free bonus episode coming up real, real soon, uh, which will be a crossover between Cancel Too Soon and our good friends at Linoleum Knife, another podcast you should be listening to. Mm-hmm. Uh, on that episode, Whitney, myself, Dave White, and Alonzo Duralde will be counting down our 12 favorite Christmas commercials. <laughs> 12 for Christmas. Because 12 is a magic Christmas number. 12 is for Christmas. Mm -hmm. Um, So we got that going on as well. And that will be available for free on our Patreon page as well as the Linoleum Knife Patreon page in order to uh, sort of share our audience. So check them out um, if you're not checking us out. And if you are checking us out, thanks. This Thank got you. weird. Thank you very much. Uh, anyway, we're on Twitter. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibel. Uh, if you want to email us, canceltoosoon at gmail.com. We'll do a letters episode in a week or two, uh, answering all your letters, get, taking your suggestions, answering your questions about various shows or about mm-hmm. our lives and careers, whatever you want to talk about, really. We're open books. And um, yeah, I guess that's a wrap. We'll see you next season. Mm-hmm.